We begin uh, this story. If you want to, you can open up your Bible to two specific places. Uh, one, as we have kind of been walking through the book of Matthew, that's where we've really been doing a lot of the um, studies up to this point. Um, but also, you can go over to the book of Luke, chapter 8. So if you want to open, of course, Matthew chapter 9, and verses 18 through 26 is the story um, that we're going to be looking at. But we're going to look at it from the book of Luke, chapter 8, verse 40. Um, and we're going to be looking at a very important story. And I think that, you know, as I've been trying to do up to this point, I've been trying to walk through these stories and show the humanity that is, is really there. I think that it helps us to understand Scripture a lot better than when we just kind of read through, uh, especially when it comes to healings and, and things of that nature. I think we forget the human aspect of it, the emotions that play in. And if there is ever a story that deals with the human emotion uh, when it comes to uh, Jesus, it is this story. <clears throat> We're going to be looking at uh, Jairus and his daughter and the woman with the issue of blood. It is an amazing story that we see in Scripture. And the main reason why I'm going to be looking at it from the, the passage in Luke is because I believe that uh, Luke does a great job of really going into the detail um, for us to be able to get a, a really good picture uh, of what's going on. So uh, as I do uh, each time, and I encourage you to, uh, I've written down all the people uh, that, if you want to say, are involved, so that way we can get a really good picture here. Uh, of course, the first one is Jesus. The second one is Jairus. Uh, the third one is Peter and the disciples. The fourth one is the first crowd we're going to see. The second one is the woman with the, the issue of blood. And the last one is the second crowd we're going to see. Uh, so in Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 40, uh, Scripture says, So it was... When Jesus returned, that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. Now, Luter makes these, uh, this perspective here. He says, Jesus returned to Galilee, and he likely had met Jairus before. Jesus had spoken in most of the synagogues in Galilee, and Jairus was a ruler in the local synagogue. And so the phrase ruler is probably the chief elder who conducted the services. So this could easily be someone that knew Jesus well um, and that Jesus would recognize uh, when he came up to him. So if you look at the scenario here, we got Jesus is surrounded by um, the crowds, and here comes this Jewish ruler. Um, and Jesus, again, probably knows him. So it's not like this guy is completely this stranger, but uh, he comes running and he falls down at Jesus' feet in front of everyone. Now, this is important because this Jewish leader is showing his heart right here. He does not care about what anyone thinks of him. His priority of being a dad is coming to the forefront right here. Now, we don't know if he's went to any doctors. We don't know what the diagnosis is. We don't know. The only thing we do know is that 
his daughter's dying from something. And we know that by looking at this, he must have some type of knowledge of the healing power and ability of Jesus. Or otherwise, he wouldn't have come to Jesus asking for his daughter to be healed. So we recognize that he he recognizes that about Jesus, and we recognize that his, his dad is coming to the forefront right here. His whole focus is getting to Jesus so his daughter can be uh, healed. And he's simply putting all of his hope in Jesus here. I mean, he's coming, and that is his number one priority. And in looking at this, this is not just his child. This is his only daughter. That's what we also see here. For he had an only daughter of 12 years old. So this is, I mean, to say the least, panic mode is setting in with this man. Jairus is an understatement. Look at the last part of verse 42 here. But as he went, as Jesus went, the multitudes thronged him. So as Jairus has finally reached Jesus, he's fell down in front of him, in front of the whole crowd, explained the situation and said, Jesus, I need you to come because my daughter is going to die if you don't come. And Jesus says, okay, I'm coming. And it's just like as soon as Jesus said, I'm coming, all these people started enveloping Jesus and preventing him really from moving. Preventing him from really following Jairus. And, you know, can you imagine what Jairus was going through? He, he's trying to get Jesus to his dying daughter. And this crowd of people are surrounding Jesus to the point he can't move. Jairus is probably screaming at the people to move and get out of the way. He's trying to get Jesus to his daughter before she dies. I mean, Jairus may even, you know, it doesn't necessarily say, but I, I want to put myself in Jairus's position and say, okay, if I have a son who's 11 years old, so let's say he's my only son, I can promise you this, I'm not going to be kind and polite. I am not going to sit here and say, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Jesus is supposed to be coming with me. Uh, can can y'all move out the way? No, I'm going to knock people out of the way. This is life and death. This is my only child, and they are dying, and Jesus is my only hope. I ain't got time for you to get a selfie with Jesus. I don't have time for you to make sure that you get Jesus to notice you so you can run back and tell people that Jesus noticed you. I ain't got time for that. I need Jesus to get to my house to to heal my daughter And I don't have time for all of these distractions. I don't have time for Jesus to have all of these people reaching out and trying to touch him. It's it's very similar in our prayer lives. Isn't it amazing when we have this great need for Jesus and it just feels like everything that could get in the way of our prayer time or of Jesus moving or any of that stuff, it happens, it does. And then if you look in the story in Matthew... In Matthew chapter 8, verse 20, it says, Suddenly, this woman comes upon the scene. So, while Jairus is fighting through the crowd to get Jesus to his daughter, 
someone else is actually fighting through the crowd to get to Jesus. Now see, this is where we run into a dynamic that is... It is so difficult to look at it from an earthly perspective. Jairus is trying to get Jesus out of the crowd to work in his situation. This woman is benefiting from Jesus being stuck in the crowd because she's trying to get to him. Because she needs to be healed. So now you ask yourself, which healing is more important? Both. Both are. See, this is not about ranking things. This is not about saying one is worse than the other. This woman has a need, and in her heart and in her mind, that need is just as vital and important as Jairus's. See, our biggest problem is this. When we have a need in our lives, we are completely distracted from needs in anybody else's lives. All we're focused on is us. All we're focused on is our need. All we're focused on is I need Jesus to fix my fill in the blank. But we don't recognize that other people are struggling too. We don't recognize other people are in just as bad a shape as we are. And here's the biggest problem. I look at my problem in light of somebody else's problem and we do rank them. I'm looking at someone else's problem and saying, listen, you think that's a real problem? You should walk a mile in my shoes. Guys, that is the worst possible thing we can do. It's not about ranking things because guess what? I may look at that person's problems and say, you know what? That's not a big deal. But to them, it's huge. And when we, what happens is the reason why we view things that way is because of self-centeredness and selfishness. We're looking at it and saying, my stuff's more important, so you need to get out of my way. That's not the way Jesus looks at things. So Luke describes this woman here. Let's, let's look at it. In verse, starting in verse 43. It says, Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of Jesus' garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. So let's look at the woman that Luke is describing here. Number one, he describes this woman, and she is unclean because of her medical condition. Now, by her being unclean, that means that she can't worship with others. She can't go to the local synagogues. She can't have people over to her house and worship. She can't touch anyone, and no one can touch her because if she touches someone or they touch her, they're considered unclean now. And so she's in a, to, to, to say, she is in a pure state of loneliness. It's almost, it's almost as if she has leprosy. Because, according with, of course, with leprosy, you can't touch anyone. And with her, she can't touch anyone because of her, it would make them unclean. Now, they could go and they could do a ceremony and be able to, you know, be clean eventually um, after the ceremony and stuff, but... So it's, it's not quite as serious as leprosy. But still, she's dealing with the state of loneliness. It's also a woman who has lost absolutely everything. All of her resources that she spent 
to try to make herself well, and yet she's still sick. So she's lost everything she did have because of the sickness she has. It's a woman who has absolutely nothing to lose. She has nothing. A woman who is probably weak and tired due to the constant loss of blood. If, if you take into consideration a woman who is consistently having this issue, she's probably got some serious health issues of weakness, of being tired, of, you know, um, her immune system is probably low. There's a lot of things that be, could be going on here. And it, it's a, here's the other thing, though. It's a woman who isn't seeing the crowd as an obstacle. She's not seeing this crowd as an obstacle in her way. She's going to push through this crowd one way or another. See, Jairus is looking at the crowd as an obstacle because he can't get Jesus out of the crowd. (coughs) This woman doesn't see the crowd as an obstacle because it's actually holding Jesus in there so she can get to him. Here's a woman who is going to get to Jesus no matter what. She's not letting anything hold her back. That's her priority right now is to get to Jesus. And it's a woman who despite always coming up short and everything that she's tried failing, she still has faith that Jesus can. I want you to think about this for just a moment. For 12 years, this woman has dealt with this sickness and she has tried every possible way to get healed. And I'm sure that every time she would go to a doctor and she would pay X amount to each doctor, they would guarantee her, I promise you this time it'll work. I promise you this time it'll work. I know what that doctor said before, but I know how to heal you. And every time that she would put her faith into one of these doctors, she would come up short every single time. My question is, how in the world did this woman have any faith left? How did she have enough faith left to where she said, you know what, I've got to get to Jesus because Jesus can heal me. I know that sounds good. I know all of that sounds really good. But let's just be real about it. Where is her faith coming from? Because she has had nothing over the last 12 years that has happened that is positive. Nothing. So if she's not had anything positive happen in the last 12 years, how in the world is she going to have enough faith? That's the beauty of faith. Faith can't always be explained. Faith can't always be understood. And can I tell you something? Your faith rises usually the best in the midst of desperation. We don't want to go through the hard, difficult times. We don't want to go through the the desperate times. But it's usually in those times of desperation that faith is all we have left. And so we're willing to go all in with our faith in that moment. And that might be where she's at. So as she fought, maybe even crawling on her hands and knees, we don't know. As she fought through this crowd, she reached the hem of Jesus' garment. And with all the faith that she could muster up, trusting that Jesus wouldn't fail her like all the other tribes, she reached out and touched him. 
My goodness, can you imagine this lady? What a picture of faith. What a picture of desperation. What a picture of trust. And in verse 44, imagine that moment when she reached out and touched him and immediately she was healed. Can I tell you, I think all of, I think all of the failures that she had had up to this point completely vanished. I think everything that was a distraction, everything that was failure, everything that caused her loneliness, everything that she had gone through, it all vanished in that moment because her faith had been rewarded. She went all in and immediately she was healed. She was dealing with this wonderful emotion of of the healing and the peace that took place. But guess what? Jairus is still there and he is absolutely feeling out of control right now. Here's another beautiful dynamic in this story. While, While this woman has been healed by Jesus because of her faith, And she's feeling elation and she's feeling peace. Jairus is over here absolutely out of control. Just trying to get Jesus to his daughter. Look in verse 45 through 47. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you. And you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceive power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before Jesus. And she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. So Jesus didn't ask this question in verse 45, who touched me, because he didn't know. Jesus asked the question, So God would be glorified through her testimony. See, Peter, this is not one of those moments to where we're going to be knocking Peter in that sense. Peter is probably right there with Jesus. And Peter's probably focused on the Jairus situation. Okay, so if Peter was right there beside Jesus when Jairus come up, fell down and worshipped and said, I need you because my daughter's dying and they start moving that way, I'm sure that Peter's number one priority was, I need to help Jesus to get through the crowd so we can get to to the house of Jairus. And so Peter's not pulling one of the Peters here. But Peter's looking at it and saying, okay, Jesus, you're asking who touched you. We can't keep people from touching you. These crowds are going crazy here. Anybody could have been the one who touched you. And so Jesus, that's why he clarifies it here. He said, no, no, no. It's not that kind of touching, Peter. Someone touched me because I felt power. Someone touched me by faith. And now this woman's going to share her story with the crowd. Now think about this. Jairus has showed up asking Jesus to come heal his daughter. I bet there was a bunch of people in that crowd who was saying, you know what, I bet Jesus can't. I bet Jesus can't heal his daughter. 
But in the moment that this woman touched Jesus' garment, her faith healed her immediately. And so she was able to get up in the midst of this crowd and be able to share her story. And this lady had the whole entire attention of the crowd. So they're listening to this story. And this lady has an opportunity right now to glorify God because of the faith that she showed. Look in verse 48. And he, Jesus said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So now let's keep into perspective. Jairus is trying to get Jesus to go through the crowd. Well, guess what? Now everything has stopped. Everybody has stopped moving. Jesus is not heading toward Jairus' house anymore. This woman is here giving her testimony. And I'm sure, and again, we can't be holier than thou in this. It's not like Jairus was sitting here and he's like, Oh my goodness, I'm so excited for you. Jairus is probably saying, Lady, shut up. My daughter's dying. That's great, but I got to get Jesus to my daughter. Jairus ain't in the mood for the crowd to stop right now. He is not in the mood for this woman to be up here rattling on about her testimony. Because every word she speaks is one more moment that his daughter may not have alive. But I want you to pay attention to what Jesus... Because Jesus is actually going to be teaching Jairus something here if he's willing to listen based on what he says to this woman. When Jesus looked at her, he didn't say, when you touched me, you were made well. He said, your faith has made you well. See, Jairus thought, this is good. Jairus thought he had to get Jesus to his daughter in order to be healed. But Jesus said, your daughter's not going to be healed by my touch. Your daughter's going to be healed by your faith. See, Jairus is so worried about getting Jesus through the crowd that he misses out on the moment to where he's able, this lady's able to get healed too. And in healing this lady, Jesus is going to remind Jairus, listen, it's all about faith. Hebrews eleven six. 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's all about how deep and how trusting our faith is. See, Jairus has seen nothing but precious time slipping away ever since he came to Jesus. Everybody keeps getting in the way. Even this lady's preventing Jesus from coming. Nothing is going Jairus' way. But it's because Jairus has forgot the whole reason why he came to Jesus in the first place. Can I tell you that many of us struggle with that in our own prayer lives? We come to Jesus and we bow down and we fall at his feet and we're begging him and we're saying, Jesus, I know you can heal my daughter. I'm coming to you and I'm trusting in you. 
But then we get up and we try to drag Jesus by the hand saying, you need to hurry up and be on my timeline. We try to drag Jesus and say, listen, I don't want you to pay attention to anybody else. I want you to focus strictly on me. And we forget that it's by faith. It's not by sight. And as we see here in verse 49, and while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from Jairus' house saying, your daughter's dead, don't trouble the teacher. Jairus' world just collapsed. His whole world just collapsed. To say that he is crushed is an understatement. Imagine the emotion that's going through him right now. He's probably screaming out loud, if only the crowd hadn't been in my way, if that lady hadn't got in the way, if I had just gotten here sooner. Guess what he forgot about? He forgot about his faith. Right now, what he's doing is he's looking at all the circumstances around him. He's looking at the crowd. He's looking at the lady. He's looking at time. He's looking at all of these things. And right now, all of those things is what's got his focus, but he forgot about his faith. He's probably absolutely just broken, weeping on the ground right now. Because how in the world is is anything going to be any better? Because, see, Jesus wants to show him something here. This crowd got to witness this woman being healed. And, and yeah, Jesus can heal, but Jesus can do more than heal. He can raise the dead. And the thing that we got to understand is we can come to Jesus with enough faith to be healed, but are we coming to Jesus with enough faith to have the dead rose from from their from their sleep. See, that's what Jesus is, is doing here. Look what Jesus says in verse 50. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, Jairus, saying, Do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Everything that Jairus had, can, can I, oh, I hope that you're seeing, this woman had lost absolutely everything. She had nothing but came to Jesus and gained everything. Jairus came to Jesus with everything and now he has nothing because he lost his only daughter. Do you see the beautiful picture? This woman didn't let fear get in her way. She had nothing. See, the reason why fear gets in our way is because we treasure things too much. And listen, I'm not saying you shouldn't treasure your children. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is this woman had absolutely nothing to fear because she had lost everything. 
But Jairus was one who was battling fear this whole entire time because he was getting ready to lose everything. The reason why so many times we struggle with our faith is because the fear is so great. The reason why Jairus was in such a panic mode was because of what he was about to lose. This lady, she wasn't panicking. She was, I mean, she was set in stone what she was going to be doing. She was purposed. This lady was going to get through that crowd and get to Jesus because she had absolutely nothing else to lose. There was no fear. But Jairus has been sitting here fearful the whole entire time because of what he was going to lose if Jesus didn't move. Jesus says, only believe. Only have faith. Just like what this woman did over here. Only have faith. And notice what he said, she will be made well. You got to be looking at it from, from Jairus' position saying, listen, Jesus, are you, what is your problem? She can't be made well. She's dead. You can't walk in there and give her some cough syrup and she's going to be okay. But what he didn't understand was that Jesus is teaching him something. Listen, I'm bigger than death. Death to me is just like this issue of blood that this woman had. Neither one is greater than the other. I have power over it all. See, Jesus isn't asking for blind faith. He's asking for the faith that Jairus witnessed. He's asking for Jairus to have that fearless faith that the woman had. Look in verse 51 through 53. When he came into the house... He permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John and the father and mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, Do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. As they go into the house, Jairus' faith had to grow. It had to grow. Why would Jesus come to the house of his daughter who is dead if he couldn't fix it? See, think of it from that perspective. If if Jairus was here, because remember, notice what the guy said. He said, he showed up and he said, listen, your daughter's dead. Don't bother Jesus anymore. And Jesus says, listen, if you only believe, I promise you she'll be made well. Why in the world would Jesus come to his house if Jesus couldn't fix it? I believe that Jairus' faith grew in every step. Because he had to be sitting down and thinking, why would Jesus bother? But see, when we look at this right here, they're already mourning. So that lets us know that she's been dead long enough to where the funeral, in essence, has already started. Because that's what the the mourners would do when the funeral had started, the mourners would be there. And so, imagine this Imagine Jairus' faith is growing as they're making these steps toward the house, but he gets there and he hears the cries and the wailing of the mourners. Man, his heart has got to be so conflicted right now. Imagine how that, while Jairus is looking at this, his faith has got to overcome this. His faith has got to overcome what his eyes are seeing. Remember, we walk by faith and not by sight. 
What Jarius is looking at is Jarius is looking at the funeral of his 12-year-old only daughter. And he's got to have enough faith in his heart to say, I know that I see the funeral of my daughter, but I promise you Jesus is going to fix it. Goodness gracious. It is amazing to sit down and think about how Jarius, I mean, bless his heart. And Jesus looks at the crowd and the crowd starts making fun of him. When he says, she's not dead, she's only sleeping, the crowd mocks him for that. Because the crowd is looking at sight. Look what happens in verse 54 and following. But he put them all outside and he took her by the hand and called saying, little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned and she arose immediately. And he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished. But he charged them not to tell no one what had happened. Can I tell you something? I think this is such a level and picture of tenderness that we see of Jesus that we can't miss it. I think when Jesus walked in and he saw that little precious 12-year-old girl, He just tenderly took her hand and said with such compassion, little girl. I think in this moment right here, Jesus understood the depth of the emotion that was going on. And I think we see such a beautiful picture of tenderness here. And he just simply told her, arise. And the mother and father were blown away. They were astonished. Jairus' faith had now become sight. He tried not to let the things he saw affect his faith, but now, because he put faith in Jesus... His faith had become sight. And that's what Jesus asks of us. He just wants us to have faith. He's not asking us to understand it. He's not asking us to figure it out. He's not even asking us to necessarily be okay with the way it happens. Because I can promise you, Jairus would have picked any other way. I don't think he would have wanted to handle the situation and deal with his daughter dying. I think he'd have been so much better off with it if Jesus would have just come to his house, healed her of the sickness, but guess what? Apparently, from what we can read here, Jairus needed this in order for his faith to be what it needed to be. See, sometimes we think we know what's best. But Jesus knows what's best for our hearts. And He knows what's best for our lives. And He knows what we need in order to be what He's called us to be. And sometimes we need a different situation. Sometimes you need to be just a lady that has an issue of blood and just touch Jesus' garment and you can be healed. Sometimes you need to be like Jairus. And some things may have to die in order for your faith to be able to 
to move and be where it needs to be and watch Jesus raise some things from the dead. I pray this has been a challenge and an encouragement to your heart. I pray most of all that if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, that you would understand the Bible says we're all sinners, we're all in need of repentance, and that the only way of salvation is Jesus Christ. He died on a cross for your sins and for mine, was buried in the tomb and rose on the third day, ascended to the Father, and waiting to come back and get us. I pray that if you don't know Him as your personal Savior, that you would find someone who is a a Christ follower today, a Bible-believing Christian, and ask them what it means to be saved. I encourage you to share this on your social media platform so others can be able to hear it. I also encourage you, if you can, to stop by uh, Apple Podcasts or Anchor or Spotify, wherever it may be, and leave a rating um, and leave a uh, comment about the podcast so that way it'll get out there a little bit more. The more ratings it gets, the more that uh, it'll be able to get out there uh, for other people. So I encourage you to do that. If you have any questions, I'd love for you to contact me. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. We look forward next week to getting into our next passage of Scripture. May you have a blessed, wonderful day.